Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on again. It's great. We have, again, we have a fabulous, fabulous guest uh, joining us here today. But first, let me say hi, Mr. Benny. Howdy, B. Howdy, Pat, for take number two. Or our number two, yeah. I should say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. You know, mm-hmm. I was uh, a friend of mine's in the food business, and you heard uh, uh, Chef Rossi on yesterday. Yes. So we did some digging okay. after I mentioned the potato thing. I got a couple of emails from people. And I said, yeah, I heard that there's all these surplus potatoes. And I'm thinking to myself, why in the United States of America do we have surplus potatoes? Because potatoes are one of those kinds of foods, right? That, you know, when you're having like a family dinner and you're sitting down, what shows up? Potatoes, right? That's like what I remember, potatoes. You go out in the desert on a vision quest, potato soup. You come around, you go with the family. Everybody knows what a potato is, right? I've had more potatoes bring a family together by making Mr. and Mrs. Potato Heads than you can imagine. And so when I mentioned that yesterday, I I got a couple of uh, emails, contact from listeners that wanted me to tell them the source of that. Now, here's what I want to say. It's got to be on one or two channels that I watched most likely CNN. So you're going to have to go there to find out. And the reason they were asking is directly related to what we're going to talk about here today. People are trying to connect and reconnect. They are connecting. And why would this have anything to do with connecting? Because we're seven degrees apart from perhaps a conversation that we have today with Tina, Tina Gilbertson, and actually an action that can help somebody over here. And that's what happened yesterday. They heard me comment about that, and it went down a chain of events to a place that supplies food for people that don't have food. And it's fascinating how resourceful we are. But what are we without our connection? And, you know, one of the things I talked about in a show last week is there is woundedness that has happened in our past. There is woundedness we hear about all the time. I have done a number of shows on addiction and recovery now here recently. But what about these wounds that have happened that have set us so far apart from family, from friends. Now, one of the things that I grew up with is I grew up in a family 
where my dad was so unliked by the rest of his family, they literally separated from him. They did. So what we have are people and families that are not able to stay together. But what is the fallout from this? Is the fallout from a dad or a mom? Or is the fallout with how children get wounded? And as those children get wounded, as all of us did, then we repeat the cycle. Then what we do is we become estranged in a lot of ways. That is the word. When you hear stories about, I haven't talked to my mom in 35 years. I haven't talked to my, I, I haven't talked to my sister. I haven't talked to my, what does that really mean? But that's the work of Tina, Tina Gilbertson, who's joining me here today. It is the work of this psychotherapist, this author of reconnecting with your estranged adult child. And her work has been featured everywhere. But do we know what that really means? Who is that to us? Who is the estranged adult child in each and every one of us? Who is that? Do we know it even exists? Boy, do we have a lot to talk to Tina about. Tina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a, it's a privilege to be here. Um, whenever I say that you're a strange adult child, so many things come to mind, right? Right. I love that you're using the term estranged. I love that you're using it because we can beat around the bush with this or we could try to help people. Right. So let me ask you this question. I gave a brief introduction of you, what you've written about. But here's my question. Given everything you've done, and there's always a story behind somebody that brings out something as powerful as this, given everything you've done, everything who you are, what are some of the challenges that you personally had to overcome to bring you here to this moment? Wow. When I, gosh, there are, there are many. I mean, I have my share. I don't have more than my share. But yeah. you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when you talk about challenge, challenges is, is the present circumstance, that this, this pandemic that we're going through. And the challenge for me in particular, uh, the, the challenge in particular of letting go of the plans that I had for 2020. Uh, this notion that here's what the year is going to look like. Here's what I'm going to be doing. Here's where I'm going to be going. And uh, boy, what a difference um, a month makes. So uh, th that's been a real big mental shift to have to make. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's educational. It's, it's informative to have to do that in a way that, that I've never, ever had to do, that none of us have ever had to do before. I mean, yeah. the future is always uncertain, right? That, but now it somehow it seems more uncertain. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting we're talking about this now, right now. And there's so many things I want to talk to you about, about the book, right? But first of all, you could have never predicted that you'd be writing a book that would be released in this day and time right now. That's absolutely true. Yes. Right. right? It changes things. 
The other thing is when we think about what you're bringing forward and the conversation of what this is about. And I'm trying to remember the exact words, you know, uh, so I have it here in the introduction of your book, right? And you ask this question, do you love your child or grandchild? Do you want them to be happy? Have you done your best to parent them well? And then you go on to say, if you're reading this book, I bet you'll answer a definite yes to all of these questions. And then you go on to talk about this in the book. I don't think any of us wants to believe that we haven't done a good job. Of course we don't. Right? But boy, parenting, it's in its own a workload. It's a workload and it's also a source of tremendous shame for pretty much any parent who's paying attention because it's so obvious that you cannot do it perfectly. It's impossible to parent another human being in some perfect way so that they never get hurt. They're never disappointed in you. They, they, they never have experiences that, that stay with them in a, in a negative way. I mean, it, it's just so, so, uh, it's so impossible and yet there is this stigma to the idea that you haven't parented well you're supposed to be the perfect parent right and and part of being the perfect parent is your kids love you so much they always come home for every holiday they call every day or every week you know that sort of proof uh, a su- supposed proof of adequate or even excellent parenting so when you don't have that and they're not calling and they don't want to come home for holidays it can feel like it can just pierce you at the, at the very core where there's all this shame sitting there waiting to be activated. Yeah. I, I mean, I opened up the book and I read through the beginnings of the book. And, and I want to go over this with you and talk about it because if you jump around, if you're a book reader and you jump around, here's what I want to say to you all. Don't jump past the introduction of this book. (laughs) Don't do it. Because what happens out of the gate, Tina, is that you cover what I think is one of the most important things to out of the gate to say to people. And I've done numerous shows on this. And that is one of the greatest struggle between parents and children. And believe me, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic and drug mother who who not by her choice is not the kind of addict and alcoholic that you watch on your favorite, you know, murder show. You know, this is a white woman that otherwise looks like she had everything going for her. But back then you kept women quiet by giving them prescriptions. Thank you, Dr. Jacoby. Right. Right. But out of the gate, see all of my years trying to, figure out this or that is solved in the first paragraph of your book and the things to know before we go. You, it, This is brilliant. When we come back, I want to talk with you about those things right out of the gate. Because the number one thing that I hear when I work with people either in recovery or that have family members uh, that are addicts, alcoholics, or in recovery is the first paragraph of your recommendation. 
And I'm telling you, it is the least talked about things when it comes to addiction. And I think it's one of the most important. But when we come back, we're going to take everybody on a journey because what Tina has outlined here is literally a checklist for you to say, if you're not this, you can be this. If you're this, you can do this. That's what we need if we're going to build relationships. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. How many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing, or just doing my job, when really you knocked it out of the park? How did you get like this? Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self and how far you can go by being more you. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. How do you feel? Just okay? Well, how about you tune in and get ready to be more with The Healing Hour with me, Doc Martin, every third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I'm ready for your questions, and I can't wait to help you find the answers. Every month, we'll have a new live call-in show with innovative topics and a powerful hour of healing. To learn more about me, visit DrSharonMartin.com. See you there. I'm going to be here. You won't want to miss it. Did you know that when we talk about the Earth's ecosystems, the most important ecosystem has been left out? You, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential. Find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Look, for those of you out there, I know you've called into the show. I know you've called in talking about your children, talking about your parents, talking about what that journey is like for you. And now lay on top of it the impact and the effect 
both the mental, the physical, and the spiritual impact of COVID-19. There was never more important message than, you know, what Tina is bringing forward. Tina Gilbertson is the author of Reconnecting with Your Estranged Adult Child. And this is about practical tools to heal and to heal those relationships. But, you know, one of the things, Tina, that I was talking about, uh, and for those of you out there, you can go to Tina's website, tinagilbertson.com. Tina, one of the things I was really struck by, and I was talking to you during a break, and I've been doing this a long time, and I've read a lot of books, but your introduction in this book, I went back and I read this introduction like three times, and I was reading it because it is jam-packed. And I love that you're saying things to know before we go. And what you're saying is things to know before we go into the rest of the book. Right. Or before we go, period. Yeah. But there is a checklist here that isn't just a checklist, but it's almost like it's a sanity check of what this journey is like, if you choose to accept it. Can we go through this? Because out of the gate, you talk about what I feel is one of the most important and compelling aspects for parents of children that are in recovery or have an active addiction. They need to know this. Can we talk about this list and why this was so important for you to include this checklist, so to speak, right out of the gate in the book? Yeah, and I so appreciate your bringing this up and highlighting the introduction because I did want people to be prepared to read the book, to let them know what what are you going to get and what do you need to already have in order to get it? Or or where, you know, what what just to kind of set expectations. I think it's important to set up uh, set the stage when you're giving people lots of information and tools, because if they just dive in and start using them, they don't have a foundation for doing that. And they may have expectations that are kind of way off, uh, out of where they need to be. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate your highlighting the introduction and I'd love to discuss it. Yeah, let's go through it from your perspective because I think that what you're hitting upon here are literally key points for growth, period, I think. Yeah, so um, I thought it was important that people know that addiction, which is uh, very common, is a special kind of a situation. And that if addiction is at the center of an estrangement, the reason, the cause of an estrangement, this is not the book that is going to help you solve that problem. Addiction requires intervention. It is a serious problem that requires professional uh, help, I I think. Um, And it's not something that you, if if you are the parent of an addicted person, or if you, you know, just somebody you love is addicted, it's not something you can do all by yourself, or by reading a book. Right. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was important to point out. It is important, because, you know, if in fact, they go on to read the rest of the book, which we're going to talk about now, Um, and they are in that situation, they're not going to get very far. They're not going to get very far. And I'm glad you point that out because that does require a separate set of tools and support. Uh, And you know this, and you must uh, honestly, you must work with 
countless people's about this or it would have never made your book. The other thing that you talk about is you talk about if you have custody custody of and a close relationship with your child at the time before they became an adult or someone seems to be turning her against you now, right? That's an interesting situation. I come into a family where my mom passes away, my dad remarries, and boom, here we are, this blended family of something or other, right? Um, And and that, that engages in a whole aspect of different other familiar kinds of effect, right? Right. Um, And you go on and just lay out a number of scenarios for people. Like if you are a child under the age of 30 or have recently left home, right? These are important milestones in life that you're talking about, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think in the case of uh, where I'm talking about, if you had custody of your child and and the book assumes that you developed a relationship with your child when your child was a child, a kid, a little kid. Uh, Because there are people who are separated from their children at a very early age, and and there has not been a foundation built for a relationship. And that's a very special, different case. I mean, um, that's not the assumption that I'm making in the book, and I just wanted to make that clear. Um, and the other, the other thing that you mentioned, which is a, a young adult or, or an emerging adult, that is definitely something that I talk about a lot in the book. Um, but I do say in the introduction that it may be a little while before you want to put certain practices in place because they simply may need more time. They may, they may need time without you uh, making attempts to repair the relationship Uh, because that is not a time of life typically when people are looking to make repairs in a relationship with their parents. They're looking outward at the world rather than inward or backward at at the family of origin. But it doesn't mean that you never can. Yeah, Uh, This is a great time to develop a lot of understanding about the relationship and planning for the future. Boy, I'm telling you, you know, I was struck by, you know, your conversation about it cuts both ways, because when you're in the middle of it now, look, I was I was let out of my house when I was 17. I came home one day and found all my stuff on the lawn and I ended up homeless for a while. And it really took a lot for me to understand. And I didn't do this till later. Right. But for me to understand what I was contributing to that and certainly what my parent, what my parents contributed to that. But it took me a while to figure that out. But between the time of that, that point in time that that happened and literally reconciling with my stepmom, right? Between that time, there is so much that comes up between you the child, and them, the parents. And your book lays that out so beautifully. Everything from, wow, now I have a birthday, nobody's coming. Holidays, right? What it's like to have an empty chair at the table and do that empty chair on purpose. You know, there are rejection on both sides. Um, But you know, when we talk about it, it never seems quite that complicated. 
You know, the, the situation you're describing pretty much breaks my heart. I just wanted to say that, that you were put out um, as a child, basically still 17, and put out of the house. I, uh, I assume that most of the parents who read this book um, are more on the receiving end than the giving end of rejection. Yeah. Uh, because I don't know even what to say to a person who's, who feels that rejection from their parents. That is a very different thing. I don't think it's symmetrical. You know, I know that parents feel deeply hurt by being rejected by their children, but I do think it is different to be rejected by a parent who nature says is supposed to love and cherish you. I mean, it's, it, that's, that's natural, right? It's considered natural. The parent would die for the child. You know, most parents would say, yeah, I would die for my child. But, but that's not symmetrical. That, that, that is not necessarily how children feel about their parents, although some do. But to be a child rejected by your parents is very, I think it's a different experience from being a parent rejected it's by It's a different experience. But I think here's the thing I love about your book is that when, when you read this and you read your message, it is so beautifully written that when I went through it, I literally thought about the many people I've known in my life where a child, for whatever reason, and we're going to talk about those reasons during the show, for whatever reason, and to hear parents describe it, it's as if one day I woke up and my child didn't love me anymore. And to be able to reconnect with that child after feeling that, wow, I and mean, what, this is, this body of work you've taken on, man, this has got to be a soul's calling for you. It is. It is. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It, it, that's exactly what it is. And hearing you talk about this m makes me also kind of uh, remember that, that the parents who are reading this book and feel that rejection by their child have also perhaps felt rejected by their parents. So this, this does run deep. And sometimes that rejection is not as overt as here's all my stuff on the lawn. Sometimes it's more quiet, more subtle, a feeling that I'm not enough, you know, that my parents don't, aren't that interested in me because I'm, I'm not enough. You know, it could oh, and we're going to talk about that when we come back, because I'll tell you, the, the, there's so many different things in the book that you shine a light on and you do it beautifully. Um, and I, I, the one thing that I latched on to, which later on for me became a lifelong journey to understand it. When we come back, you know, I want to talk with you about emotional estrangement. See, that is something that is going on left and right, upside down and sideways. And we don't know what that means. And I think in your book, you say something like, um, um, uh, estrangement doesn't mean cut off. Sometimes parents feel estranged from their children, even when they're having like regular contact, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And true. if that happens, how is that being accelerated through COVID-19? Let's take a short break. Wow, we've got a lot to talk with Tina about. And the book is filled with stories and examples. And, and boy, I'll tell you, you know, when you get to the part of the book 
that talks about on again and off again, boy, does that give you a sense of the roller coaster ride that Tina is now providing solutions for. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx on transformationtalkradio.com. Your eternal purpose is calling out to you each and every day. Are you listening? Tune in to Dynamic Destiny Radio with Coach Pete Cafarcio every first and third Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to be your authentic self and live the life that you were destined for. Learn practical tools to discover your purpose and conquer other fears that keep you stuck in a life of mediocrity. Learn more about Coach Pete by visiting PeteCoaching.com. How many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing, or just doing my job, when really you knocked it out of the park? How did you get like this? Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self and how far you can go by being more you. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. Some people dream of freedom before they know it even once. What happens when we find ourselves in unimaginable freedom? Retired, children are grown, we've moved on from caregiving, and don't know what to do with all that time you never had before. Well, it's your life. It's up to you now. On the hit new show, Fresh Courage, it's your time to shine with host Sharon Rolfe on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Thank you for our Facebook friends that are watching us now. Uh, Tina Tina Gilbertson is joining me here today. She's an author of an incredible book. Um, When I first got a copy of the book and I first looked at it, I thought, wow, you know, it's going to be one of those books. It's going to have some stories. It's going to have some tips. But I got to tell you, there is not much that doesn't crawl out from under the rock that Tina hasn't addressed, discussed, talked about, shared stories about, um, and provided tips and tools. You know, I mean, the book covers everything from what we talked about with as being, you know, estrangement 
you know, given alcohol and addiction to talking about issues that have to do with LGBTQ, uh, both children and adults. So there's so much here. Um, one of the things I want to make sure is uh, what is the release? Let's let's give people an update on the book coming out if we yes. Could. Well, the original publication date was April 28th, but because of the pandemic, it was moved by a week to May 5th. So the book comes out Tuesday, May 5th, 2020. All right. And it's called Reconnecting with Your Estranged Adult Trial, Practical Tips and Tools to Heal Your Relationship. And we're going to do that. Uh, Benny, I would love to be able to give a copy of the book away right now. 1-800-930-2819. But if those of you out there have a situation you want to ask Tina about, please go ahead and give us a call, 1-800-930-2819. But for those of you that are following on Facebook, social media, and this is Facebook Live, go ahead and ask your question in Facebook, and we'll make sure that we try to get it up here. I'm bringing it up now. Um, Tina, look. There's so much in the book. There really is. But there are things in the book that I hadn't thought about either. What was the surprises for you in writing the book? And what I mean by that question is, as you write a book, first of all, it changes. It changes you. Writing the book can change you. But more importantly, you had to address a wide range of issues Some of them are contemporary, like LGBTQ, right? But others have been around with us forever. What have you found in your writing of the book? Is there a common theme? Is there something that shows up more often than not? The the common theme for me with this topic and in working with parents is the unnecessary shame. I mean, I just keep coming back to that. That is often an obstacle to making relationship repairs. You can have all this information about, you know, problems between uh, parents and adult children, how to address them. But if you've got this, if, if you're surrounded by a cloud of shame, you won't be able to make use of any of that because every time you read it, it makes you feel awful. Like I, uh, I, I failed, you know, uh, just reading this book means I failed. And so that is, that's pervasive that shame. Some people can overcome it to the point where they can they can take in information and see it as helpful information and make use of it. But there's a whole continuum of of that. But there's shame all the way all the way through. So that that's kind of the the over that that's the thing that's that's so the most central thing that I notice. It's but, huge. Yeah. I, I think just hearing you talk about it, I mean it may seem so obvious, but it's really not. Because I don't think I don't think shame is one of those things, Tina, that just has a T-shirt that says, "Hi, I'm shame." <laughs> exactly right. right. I think Bingo. it's more subtle and insidious than that. I think shame is more subtle and insidious than that. You're, um, you are it, so it, right. Don't you think? I mean, and it, it really infiltrates all aspects of our life. It in fact it, it it infiltrates our sexuality. It infiltrates our work and business, our self worth. And yet is such a prevailing part of this situation of estrangement. Yeah. And I love that you point out how insidious it is. And the way I deal with it specifically in the book, I tried to be practical about it, is to, I actually define low self-esteem as 
a bunch of baseless shame, the feeling that there's something inherently wrong with me. So there's a whole section in the book uh, near the back about addressing that low self-esteem. There's all these different definitions of self-esteem. You know, if, if your self-esteem is high, you think that you're great. I don't believe in that. I don't buy into it. I think that high self-esteem is the absence or relative absence of this baseless shame. It all comes down to that. And you are right that it is insidious. I think it's some level of shame is there in all of us because all of us were once children who got told, stop doing that. That's disgusting. Or you got your dress dirty or you're making too much noise, you know, and, and even in a normal, perfectly lovely childhood, there is, there's all kinds of sources of shame because as a child, you can't distinguish between uh, my behavior was bad and I am bad. So we all emerge from childhood with a certain level of shame. And it's just kind of always there um, to some degree. You know, and for some people who go through a lot more in childhood and, and have adverse experiences, it can be much, much bigger and it can really get in the way of relationships. I got to tell you, I pulled out a statistic. You could tell I'm a little statistics geek. I don't talk about that very much. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really positivity patty. I Believe me, I, any positivity name that's out there, I've gotten. But if you read my research uh, that I did in my doctorate, 10 years of studying the consequences of broken promises, I got to tell you, I'm going to go true confession on you right now. Uh, I've never really talked about this and said this. But I did study the consequences of broken promises and, and, all, and, and a version of insecurity for 10 years. And it was both two master's degrees and a doctorate. Now, believe me, I didn't set out to do that. As a matter of fact, I had no idea that going back to school would be one that long, two that much work, let alone that much money to pay for it. I had right. no clue. I was just called to do it. But I had been let go from the company and it hit a trigger from my childhood. Here's the trigger it hit, but I didn't know it until like I graduated and I did the postdoctoral work on it. And it honestly, the dissertation and the postdoc won awards. Never had it been studied in organizations, broken promises between people. It was always broken promises between some amorphous, entity and maybe a person so right. there was never any real data on that because you could say oh the government didn't give me this like what who's the government like who are they so here's the thing i was down at the end of my defense and passed it with flying colors my committee was arguing and yelling about leadership i should do it more but one of the people on the committee Look, stopped and said to me, nobody studies something like this as intensely as you do. And they said, you have 1,200 pages of interview notes, Pat. You have statistics and studies and correlations with more tables than most people study in a lifetime. And so Dr. Rousseau asked me this, and she is the genius of psychological contracts. She said, something had to happen to you, Pat. And I said, I, well, I lost my job, right, Tina? Right, okay, so you're familiar with this. When people ask you what happened to you, you really go to not the answer, correct? Right, yeah. I said, well, I lost my job. And, that, and they, she said, no. 
She said, no, 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 no. I want to know. And I'm thinking, really? I just want you to approve my dissertation, people. <laughs> Come on. And she said, no, it's something else. She said, you And I'll tell you, my eyes filled up. They just filled up. And it became the basis for my understanding of why I estranged from my dad. And I remember this like it was yesterday. And it's, it's just, God, I hope I don't cry. I remember my dad lied to me more times than not. But the one lie, and believe me, this stayed with me for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I got, I'm over it, right? I did a lot of work on myself, can you tell? Mm -hmm. But my dad told me, and this is what parents don't get. My dad told me that I was being sent to Catholic boarding school and that don't worry about it, you'll be able to take horseback riding there. So I didn't care about Catholic boarding school. It was horseback riding. And there was no horseback riding. And I want to tell you as a six-year-old, that kind of thing has an impact. It does. But I was drawn to a statistic that totally explains the impact. In the book, you say that X amount of kids or children, adult children, swear, probably, this is my language now, they believe they've told their parents yeah. the reason for yeah. the estrangement. Parents, about an equal amount, I think, in your book, says they've not been told. But the, I think there's a reason to explain it. I didn't know the exact reason for me to be estranged from my dad until I was much older. But I did give them a reason for it. It just wasn't the right reason. So it never really made sense. So in a sense, your statistic in the, in the book is absolutely true. But yeah. both parties are thinking they're doing the right thing. That's right. And that they're telling the truth. The parents yeah. did not maybe recognize what they were being told or that they were being told. And, and the kid is equally certain that she did did tell them so you're saying you gave your dad a reason for estrangement or you gave absolutely gave my dad a reason but it wasn't the real reason but it was I mean you honestly it was. I didn't say to my dad dad remember when I was six years old and you blah 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 and you lied to me about I mean no my god no I mean you know how many years it took me to figure that out yeah and I remember Denise asking me about that and it just came out I said yeah I pretty much but I didn't answer it the way I said I think I pretty much have been lied to most of my life by the by my parents and people that are close to me and it came out to be true but you see i think what you're writing out about in the book is there are solutions and tips and i have to ask the question how was it i got back with my parents what did i do to really come to the place where we could sit down and i would like for you to talk about what you discovered the bridge could look like for people to get back because this isn't about me telling a story about my childhood. It's me telling a story that despite whatever went on, I was able to build a loving relationship with my parents, but boy, I didn't have your book. Right. 
Right. Well, and my question to you is, what did your parents do, if anything, to make that possible? Or was that a unilateral decision that you came to where you said, my parents are human, they are who they are, and I'm going to accept them and love them for who they are? Yeah, that was me, because I realized I'm never going to change my dad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So they, your parents were lucky. Your parents were very lucky. Because you did enough work on yourself to be able to get to a place where you could accept them and adjust exactly as they are. Not everybody gets there. And so for, for if they hadn't been so lucky and hadn't had you for a daughter, but may have had somebody else, just somebody different, and they had not, I mean, I, I, I guess I wanted to know, did they do anything different? Did they make any apparent efforts to change the way they related to you? I think my stepmom did. Yes. Okay. My stepmom did. Um, and I have to say that um, I was, I'm one of the more fortunate people. When I'm reading your book and I'm reading about the do's and don'ts, and, I, and I'm thinking about the people out here suffering now, mm -hmm. you know, people that have parents they're not talking to, you know, parents that have kids that and everybody is scratching their heads at some level if in fact they are open-minded enough to want to find out why yeah um and, and you know there's an aspect of this we haven't even talked about but i mean now enter in the divorce rate we're seeing and the levels of divorce albeit there's not a lot of it going on now but i have a friend that predicts it's going to go through the roof after this yeah but how do you help people heal this wounding? Tina, how do you help people? Because obviously you, you are. And yeah. your book screams of scenarios that you've helped people get through. Yes. And, and to, I mean, I had to write a book to answer that question. But let me, <laughs> let me try to answer that in a, in, a, in a shorthand kind of way. The, the breaks inside of ourselves are often precursors to the breaks in our relationships. So to help someone feel more whole, to help someone heal their own emotional wounding and work through their own emotional history, that is a shortcut to working directly on the relationship when the other person isn't available. In other words, you, you, the parents heal their relationships with their children from the inside out when the child is not available. So that means the parent doing her own work, noticing the ways in which she's been let down, the ways in which she's been hurt, the ways in which her child's behavior is triggering old wounding for her. And when the parent is able to, to heal further, she comes, comes to the relationship from a very different place. She's no longer the person that child walked away from to begin with. She is a different, more whole version of herself. And the relationship with the child will be different as well because of that. And the child may not know that yet because the child hasn't met the new parent, the, the parent who has healed some more. But, but uh, the more the parent moves into that place of healing, the more likely it is that uh, a reconciliation will be possible because so much of what goes wrong between parents and children is going on inside of the parent, also inside of the child, but the parent is the one with the power 
to set that tone for that relationship. Yeah. If they're not lucky enough to have a child like you, who did so much work on her own that she came willing um, to Well, to make I have end. to tell you that I'm, I'm here today and I think the person that I'm here today is I, I give so much thanks to Linda and her family because they literally took me in and in a lot of different ways. But you know, I think that when I look back and I think about the, the time gap between that, there's so many parents and so many children right now that are so far apart in the reconciliation process that I'm, I'm hoping that your book and even the folks you're working with, it's going to help start to build the bridge. I mean, the world we live in now, we even have, I think we have disorders called attachment disorder or something yes. like that yes. now mm -hmm. in, the, in the psychology guide. Yeah. You know, attachment, what is that? Well, and that that's a whole nother show for you, I think. That's a whole nother show for both of us. But my point to you is, this is a book that is so needed. I want to ask you, I know we've got a few minutes left. For people that are listening to this, and as you continue to do more of these interviews, I'd love to know your vision for folks when they read this, your vision for how perhaps some of the things you suggest can be enacted. Well, um, mostly what I hope, the, the book is for parents. Uh, yes. Parents, both parents and children who are hurting right now, who are separated and who are hurting, both parents and children feel powerless to change the situation. Both of them don't know what to do. Both of them would love for things to be different. The child who has estranged himself has, has may, may have given up for now because he's like, you know, if he, if he knew what to do, he wouldn't have walked away. Walking away is usually the last resort of somebody who doesn't know how to make a relationship better. But the parent feels equally powerless. What I'm hoping the book does is it takes the parent to a place where they realize that they are not powerless. When someone cuts you off, that person feels like they have all the power. I mean, it feels to you like that person has all the power because they're not talking to you and what can you do, right? So, but there's an illusion there. If you are a parent, your child has cut you off, you are more powerful than you know to, to take steps, to, to reset that relationship. You've got to educate yourself on how to do that. There are many different ways, and, and it kind of depends to some degree on the situation. For example, if your child has complained a lot that you neglected them, then you need to, if you want to have a good relationship, you need to demonstrate to them how much they mean to you and how much they care. That's not the problem in necessarily all or most cases that the parent has been accused of being neglectful, but sometimes it is. And then it's clear what you need to do is you need to show up in a way that lets the child know they're not neglected. So the parent has loads of power and that's what I'm hoping the book conveys and convinces them of. Yeah. And you know, so often I have said in doing a show like this for as long as I've done it is there's got to be an opening, right? There's got to be an opening for levels of change. You know, I've done this work in organizations and every time I do this work, especially with a, a group, a team, a group, an organization, I'm always looking for the opening. 
I'm always looking for the opening. And sometimes it doesn't seem like it is an opening. Exactly. But I think in 99.9% of the cases where a, an adult child has cut off in an angry or dismissing way, the opening is invisible, but it's there because all of us would love to be able to have a relationship with our parents if we could, if it, if it were not hurtful to us, if it, if it were something that enhanced our lives, we would love to be able to have a relationship with our parents. So it may not be clear from the child's behavior that they would like to be able to do that if things were different. But in fact, it's really hard to be that person who doesn't talk to your mother or doesn't talk to your father. It's hard to be that person in society, a society that values family. Um, so I think in most cases, there's, there's certainly hope. Uh, and even if the child is standing there with crossed arms, no way, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You are their only mom or their only dad. And you do have the power to, in, in a, in a, authentic, generous way to really make the most of the opening that is in there somewhere. And that's a powerful message for today. Please, I want to thank you so much for joining me here today. Would you mind giving out your information again, tell people how they can get a copy of the book and also how they can find out more about you? Thanks, Dr. Pat. The book is called Reconnecting with Your Estranged Adult Child. It comes out May 5th in the U.S., somewhat later in the UK, I think May 28th. You can find out about me and my publications and my work at tinagilbertson.com. Thank you so much for today. Last question, what's your personal message? What do you wanna leave us with today? Um, I would like people to feel like there is nothing wrong with them inherently. I think when you were born, you came out whole and, and a good person. And if you don't feel like you're whole or that you're good, that's an illusion and you've been sold a bill of goods. So there is nothing wrong with you. You are the person that you're meant to be. And there's always hope for you to really step into that feeling. I love it. Thank you so much for today. And thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Thanks for having me on your show. And I want to thank all of you out there for tuning us in and turning us on. And, you know, in Tina's book, there's so much in there. But I think through this show today, you have a good idea of what's in the book, what's available to you, and certainly, you know, how you can find some way to do something perhaps different. Because love does rule. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. We'll see you next time.